on this episode of Quantum Week, August 4th through 10th, 1996. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year in our lifetime, and we talk about the movies, the music, the magic, the mayhem, everything that made that time period unique. August 4th through 10th, 1996. Is the week that we're doing this week. From for multiple episodes, by the way. Yes, yes. So we're going to be doing this for the next, uh, for, uh, you've already probably seen our YouTube show. If not, you can go check it out. Yep. Uh, and then we're doing this show, which came out uh, today, which is Wednesday. And then uh, we'll have Saturday. We'll have another one on Saturday, all from this week. Right. August 4th through 96. It's because it's, this week was so important. Not really. No, we're just going to do this movie for it. It just allows us to go a little bit deeper with um, some movie talk and some music talk and also just kind of just, you know, let it kind of breathe a bit more. Um, I found that with each week, we didn't, I felt like we were missing so many good movies yeah, and so many good absolutely. songs. And like, and we kept having to do just the number one movie or just the number one song. And sometimes that doesn't give like just that doesn't justify the some of the other stuff that was going on. Also, but, you sometimes you miss some quality that way too. Yeah, that's why because I mean, it's like, yeah. all right, yeah, the number one song for instance this week is, or is Macarena, <sighs> which Matt and I both hate. Right, but you know now because we're able to have two more episodes, we can talk about maybe some music that we like. Yep, exactly. Not the case with the movie this week though. I, I at least for me, I love Kingpin. I would say, well, I loved it when it came out. And I would say I like it now. Watching oh. it, it's harder. It's, movies are harder to, to. They don't stand up as well just because they're not as they're not as quick. I guess it's not as quick. It's not. I guess I love this movie. I think so it's much. really good. It's um, very endearing. I think it's really funny. Yeah, but I guess you're right. Does it have a slower pace than a movie that came out yeah, 2020? Hard. Yeah, it does. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't mind that. I'm also the guy that loves 70s cinema, which is notoriously yeah. slow paced. So right. I don't really. I just kind of get sucked in the world, and I'm good. Um, this movie has my favorite montage ever. Oh, great. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. 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 Um, Let's talk about it. When. Oh, is it the Bill Murray? The Bill uh, Murray. The second, <laughs> like, he pretends to be scared, he puts his hands yeah. there, and you hear, like, the beginning of the notes of Showdown. Yeah. Um, it's like, it, that is the funniest, maybe two minutes in, I, I may say, film history. It's I when am, he's, he's bowling, right? And he's, he's got bowling, his hair going His hair all over is the place. going wild. It's, it's so hard to look at the hair. <laughs> it's so crazy. And he's just, he's just, it, it, he's, it's so funny. He's uh, either taunting poor Roy Munson <laughs> yes. or he's like celebrating his own victory. Right. It is just, it is insane. It is, it is the most, I'm, I don't think I laugh. And I watched it, I don't know, maybe a hundred times now. Yeah. I laugh so hard every time. It's one of his best roles too, Bill Murray. He said so many great ones. Well, okay, but he's on my shit list because he just did the 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 Dead Don't Die, which is probably the worst film I've ever seen. I haven't seen that. Uh, that, that. Can you see it? Because it's the worst fucking thing I've ever seen. It's the worst thing you've ever seen. I doubt uh, that. The, the worst movie you've ever. So the worst movie I've ever seen is a movie called Johnny Mnemonic. That's the worst. That's movie a bad I've ever one. Seen. Yeah, that's a um, that's a bad. Oh, this, this is, is worse that? than that. Yep, that's really? totally worse than that. This All is right. worse than Battleship Earth, the Travolta one. Oh yeah, with, with Barry Pepper. Yeah, with Barry the Scientology Pepper. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd uh, say this is worse. They completely mail it in. The premise is stupid. You you have to watch right. it. You gotta Bill watch Murray's it. Bill Murray's made some stinkers for sure. Yeah, but, Bill but this is a great one. This, this is one of this my favorites. Great. He, yeah. He's great. I mean, yeah. he's this is this. You can make a case that this is the last time Bill Murray was Bill Murray funny. So what I mean mm. by that is kind of like a high energy. Um, like don't don't get me wrong. A gloss in translation is a wonderful, beautiful. Absolutely. Film, or but uh, he's not uh, like funny in that. Um. Uh. What's the movie with uh, Rushmore? 
Rushmore, great example. Yeah. Rushmore, I, uh, a g- great movie. It's kind of like a sad, older, Rushmore, and beat I think down guy. Rushmore is a better movie than this, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this is a great movie, though. It's but good. Rushmore is a better movie, but Bill Murray is funnier in this. Absolutely. Obviously. Yeah, he's more zany. You see him like run away and like go around a corner and his feet are flailing oh. all over the place. It's Yeah, it's, he's got a little bit of um, like kinesthetic comedy to yes. him in this one. Yeah, yeah. He, it's, energy. It's, the energy is there. That yeah. He kind of, after this movie, never you never really see again with him. It's a different kind of, it's a low key, like Royal Tenenbaums is a, is yep. a great movie. Uh, one of my favorite all time movies, but he's not, he's not really not even that great in it. And no. he's so low key. He's like almost like he's on antidepressants. <laughs> he's barely there. Um, St. Vincent that came out uh, a yeah, few years ago. It's kind of a example. similar situation. Yeah, he yeah. kind of went in that mode really after this movie. So yep. this is the last like meatballs, Caddyshack, fun, zany <laughs> Bill Murray, Senate Live. Yep. Um, this is the last time you see that. And, but he goes out with a bang. Cause this is, this is fantastic and woody harrelson in this film is phenomenal he's really good i love that character yep. roy munson woody harrelson i had so many things i want to talk about and uh where we usually when we do the movies we try to have like a little extra piece where we talk about you know either brackets or yep. um you know stuff like that so i had like so many different things could have talked about woody harrelson talk about bill murray talk about the Farrelly brothers randy quaid versus dennis quaid you could do that. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there's so many levels of this movie. Uh, we're going to do top, my top 10 sports movies in a bit. Okay, cool. Um, because it kind of ties to some other shows we've done as well. Um, and this is on the list. Uh, but uh, Do you want to give a, just a slight synopsis too, just for people? No. People have seen Kingpin. It's a bowling movie. Roy Munson plays a loser and he tries to bowl and win. I mean, it's, I, I think people have seen... You like giving these plot summaries. Yeah, because I'm just feeling like... Has not, not seen Kingpin? Maybe. People who listen to this episode, maybe they haven't seen the movie, and this would just give them a little bit of... Plus, it might, if they haven't seen the movie, it would be a good... Like, if you give them a little bit of a synopsis, it would give right, them a good like incentive this. to go get it. Um, every show, you get 15 seconds to do a pot summary. You like that? Me or you? You. Why do I have to do it? Because you want to do You're it. You're the fucking movie guy. I don't want to give pot summaries. But you just do such a great more boring saying, Okay, so, right. So, Woody Harrelson is a bowler, loses his hand, can't bowl anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this is enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is 15 <laughs> seconds is good. Becomes right. an alcoholic. Sees uh, Randy Quaid's character, um, who, <laughs> who's Amish, who's Amish, who's a great bowler, decides to put him on tour and make a lot of money with him. There you go. Right, Hilarity good. ensues. Good, I like that. All right. Yeah, yeah you, right. Every episode, you do that fifteen seconds. You're good at it. I own it. It's mine. I like it. That's yeah. good. Um, <laughs> plus, it makes me laugh because it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, but this movie is 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 obviously a straight comedy. It doesn't do anything else. It's not trying to be any more than that. It has a couple of dramatic sequences, but not sure. really. Yeah, not really. Um, but Woody Harrelson is so such a good actor, such a great actor, in my opinion. I think he's fantastic. He's very good. Um, that you kind of just believe you believe the story so much, even as as it gets more and more ridiculous. I don't think it's really the case with Randy Quaid here. Um, his character, I'm not a big fan of the Amish stuff. No, um, it, it's not. It kind of. Det- I want to see more Roy stuff because he's Woody Harrelson's so great. Uh, and I'm not saying R- Randy Quaid isn't great, but I just think this role is kind of one note. And I just get kind of, I get kind of bored with it. He's very similar in all of his roles, Randy. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot. Yeah. I mean, if you want to do the debate right now, Dennis wins. I mean, well, to be honest well, with you. <laughs> I, but I think it's closer than I, than I actually originally thought. Because that my, if you asked me, my initial opinion would always be, yeah, Dennis is a better actor. But he hasn't really done that many good films. He did Great, Ball of, Great Balls of Fire. Yeah. Right Stuff, I guess you could count. He did uh, uh, Inner Space. In, yeah, in, any given, in, inner space is very right. good. And every, yeah. you know, he was in Traffic too, but I can't even really recall No, it was a thankless role there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... But Randy Quaid's been nominated for an Academy Award. 
Oh, that's true. Um, for The Last Detail, it was a movie with Nicholson. Actually, oh. and the movie that was, is that about- was a long time ago. It was, yeah, it was in the 70s. Sev- that's yeah. the thing is he's been acting since the early 70s. Quaid is, uh, ran, no, not Quaid. Dennis is younger, yeah. like four or five years younger, but he didn't really get prominence until mid 80s to 90s. And then, as you know, we talked about Dennis Quaid in another film recently, Yours, Mine, and Ours. He's done a lot of shit. Yeah, at, at least, least Randy. Randy yeah, I know, but at least yeah, and a lot of B movies too. But at least he was in like he sort of knows his goofy role. He's in the vacation, vacation movies, movies, yeah, and even um, what's the Will Smith uh, Independence Day film? Oh yeah, yeah, kind yeah. kind of the same character. Yeah, but I I think it's a lot closer than than I would have thought two days ago before right. I looked into this. Uh, Randy yeah. Quaid, they, it's so funny. They keep referring, this movie is just so, it's very ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And they keep referring to Randy Quaid as the kid, but Randy <laughs> yeah, he's Quaid older. is Randy Quaid he's is older. A, he's 11 years older than Woody Harrelson is. Yeah. So, but that's obviously a joke. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's because he's so naive, but he's not, he's like this old guy. Right. Uh, it's it's just it's just a ridiculous movie. Um, it's it is kind of mean spirited, which I like. Oh yeah, um, me too. It's, it's, it has a real dark edge to it. It's not a kind movie. Um, I don't think that they're often kind. The Ferrelli brothers, who uh, they're not, who directed this, they're not. And we can kind of, and that was one of the things I didn't want to. Yeah, bring so up. this was their second film. The first right. film was uh, Dumb and Dumber, right? Um, and then this one, there was of course something about Mary. Um, yeah, so it wasn't this run. Yeah, so you got Dumb and Dumber, which which Peter directed alone. Bobby did. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Um, right. They but, did Seinfeld. They were like writers on Seinfeld. They did. They yeah. wrote and they wrote the episode. Um, I uh, won't know Seinfeld. You could say it, but maybe the audience will know. It, it's the really Virgin know. one um, yeah. with Jane. Uh, Jane was it Leaves from uh, Frasier was in that one. Yeah. Um, but you have uh, so listen to this run here. P- Peter Farrelly directed uh, Dumb and Dumber, but they both wrote it. Then they did Kingpin, which was a box office bomb. Not a bomb, but it, it, it didn't do right. Yeah. I think it made thirty five. Yeah. Um, and it cost like twenty five to make. So they and it, it was supposed to make a hundred. That was a movie that was supposed to make a lot of money. Right. Um, they did something about Mary. Which is a huge, I huge, mean, giant. Yeah, coming, um, coming here. Yes, uh, and then two years later they do Me, Myself, and Irene. Which actually, I like that film. I don't know how you feel. I don't about like it, the movie. Um, I thought it was good. I but, thought Jim Carrey did a really good job. But in made, that film. made a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and then they do uh, Osmosis Jones. I won't count that. It's kind yeah, of a hard yeah, time. Yeah. But then, so a year later after Me, Me Myself, and Irene, they do Shallow How. Yep. Which is not oh, great. All right. Um, but uh, it made money. Then two years later they do Stuck on You, which did not hit. I don't know that film at all. Uh, it was uh, Greg it. Kinnear and Matt Damon were conjoined twins. What the fuck were they thinking? Those are both good actors. Yeah, it, it was, not, it was a, not a good movie. And then uh, two years later, they do Fever Pitch, which I like. That more was than, good. Which most people has kind of a... That it's has definitely a, a New England and, and boston I But theme. I think even New England people are kind of tired of it. Like I think. Oh, I think I saw it once. And I like it, it more, I think, than most people do. And then uh, two years after that, they do Heartbreak Kid. And then the wheels kind of... Heartbreak Kid was okay. That was okay. It was a remake. Yeah. Uh, the original is better. And then they, they kind of fall off. But then Peter Farrelly in 2018 by himself does Green Book. Exactly. Which controversially won the Oscar. I haven't seen it, but now I'm going to. Uh, I have not seen it either. Um, it just didn't appeal to me. Like it's kind of like... It just seemed very cliche. Yeah, right. Right. Um, it's one of the rare Best Picture winners of the last... You know, my lifetime that I haven't seen. But I seen. do like Vigo... Uh, Morrison is yeah. in it. And I love, uh, um, I'm going to think of his name. Is it Mar- Marshala Jones? Yeah. Not, I was trying to think Jones. of what he's, what he's in. I couldn't remember where I've seen him before. I just looked oh, into I'm this and I was totally like, Oh, green book, right fairly, whatever. I, it doesn't matter. I feel, well, I feel bad. He's a great actor. No, yeah. it's Ali, Ali Marshala Ali. He's very good. Um, yeah. And, uh, I just, I haven't, I just haven't seen him yet, but, uh, but, but you can see that run though is, is amazing. Especially that nineties run. Did you see that, like, when th- reflecting on these films, did you see, like, the the themes that kind of 
present themselves uh, like the road trip theme. I think the first four films in a row all kind of centered around around a road trip. And this one's no different where they're going to Reno to compete in a bowling competition. There was something funny I noticed uh, when I was watching it is that it it looked like they kept going through Ohio over and over. Like the landscape didn't change. I don't know if if you've driven out west. I certainly have. It changes pretty dramatically when you get uh, past the Great Plains in the middle part of the state. But it was like Great Plains, Great Plates, Great Plains, Great oh, Plains, Great Plains. Oh, Reno. Yeah. yeah which yeah. is weird. I guess oh, they say Charlotte's movie in and around Pennsylvania. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. they didn't really have, <laughs> there wasn't really Reno. So no, uh, yeah, make, you do, make do what you have, I guess. The other thing that was kind of interesting, oh, uh, is the way that they treat disabilities. Like in this one, Roy Munson, uh, Woody Harrelson's character has his hand cut off. Yep. Um, but it seems like a lot of times the way they treat disabilities is either the, the person who has a disability is way more competent than the people who are more able-bodied or they they learn to overcome it. And this is an example of a situation where he overcomes the loss of his hands to still bowl and beat Bill Murray. Right, but they do they do make fun of it the entire, <laughs> entire time. Um, yeah, I, 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 like hand. I like this movie a lot. I give it uh, an A-. minus. Um, I really enjoy this one. It's 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 This is one of my favorite comedies. Mm. Um uh, that is just, just like just a ridiculous like to sit down and just yeah. laugh for two hours. Is, you know what? Is this a screwball? What's the difference between a screwball? Because this has elements of like of falling down humor and and slapstick and stuff. But what what's a screwball is like bringing out baby, which was like a movie in like the thirties. Mm-hmm. It's a great example of that with uh, Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy, and like, yeah. there's like a lion. It's like a it's an old movie if you've ever seen it, but it's like it's kind of like a a romantic comedy that just gets kind of goofy. Um, you don't see too many screwball. I would not call it a screwball You wouldn't call comedy. this that, okay. No, usually they're more like they're lighter in tone. This is a darkness to it. Yeah, and gross humor and... Yeah, yeah I see. Th- th- just the darkness here would make it... Um, this is one thing where the Farrelly brothers are somewhat unique. Their movies are definitely unique. Like Something About Mary is a unique movie. Um, this is a unique movie. Yes, there's a girl fight. Well, fight between Dumb and Dumber is a unique movie too. Yeah, it is. There's a fight between a dude between uh, Woody Harrelson and what's that angel? You probably Um, wouldn't see that now. No, I can't imagine. (laughs) She kicks his ass. Yeah, but even if, but even though he was like, he's swinging it, like he's taking some punches (laughs) at her. It's just like oh, hitting her in the hitting her in the boobs. But but there's one moment though where he does kind of really try to punch her, and she ducks out of the way. I was like, oh, that that probably yeah, probably not. That that frame would would exist. But they do stuff like that. They're the kind of people who would you know hit hit a child with like a, a car door or something. Right. Like they would do that that type of humor. Type yeah, of that's stuff. kind of what they did, especially back then. Yeah, like I think you would. You, I think I think maybe that's why you don't see them make a lot of movies now. I think that comedy that style has kind of passed by. Actually, and they do it in kind of insignificant ways. They were in a snake charmer's place, and the yes. snake charmer bites the guy in the face. You never, you don't like the, the. Why would you ever include that sort of moment in a in a film? It was very bizarre. It's it kind of right. bizarre, movie. but they'll do those kind of slapsticky type of stuff, yeah. kind of randomly out of nowhere. It seems. I don't know. Um, Jefferson's on ice too, which was nice a great, touch. that's a great, <laughs> like, it's so, so funny. And the Chris Elliott stuff, the indecent proposal. Thing. I was, yeah, but I was wondering like, what is, that was a situation where I was like, I don't understand why Chris Elliott's in this film. It's, it's almost, maybe they, he, well, he they, was, it was a, cause Rudy Allen, I'm, oh my gosh. Oh, for really? Sorry. Woody Harrelson <laughs> Woody rather Harrelson. was in indecent proposal. Oh, I knew that. And, and I understood they were just that they were referencing just, that. Yeah. But like Chris, L, it just seemed like a random thing. I know he's in something about Mary after this. Well, he's just hysteric. He's just got yeah. a funny actor to do the Robert Redford role. Yeah, I guess That's so. That's all they were doing. Okay. They were just fucking around. Yeah. Well, whatever. Um, Modern Lovers, band. That's another kind of thread that goes through their, their films. Yeah. Uh, if you guys don't know, Modern Lovers is the band that opens something about Mary. The, in the opening credits, there are these two guys. One's on a playing guitar. One's playing with a snare drum in a tree singing about Mary, but they also have a scene here. I think it's a bar scene. They tend to be, they kind of narrate. They're kind of the chorus 
of these films. Yeah, the Greek seems. horror. Yeah, um, and that was the same scene with, with Roger Clemens coming in. As, oh, right, uh, Skidmark. Yeah, Skidmark. That was um, a good one. Right. I, they like to reference it because they're from Providence or that area. They're yep. from Rhode Island, right? So they do kind of like to reference. Yeah, they've, they've had this area. Uh, John Dennis is in the movie. Oh, that was the other one too. Where that was like he's got a big part. He he has a huge part. Uh, I would, and I I mean at the time I wouldn't have known who the fuck he was. Was he on air? Oh yeah, here? he was on channel. He's like Channel Seven News guy, sports guy. Yeah, I I probably maybe so, I maybe oh, I would have known. Him, you would have known. Yeah. Oh, you would have known. Him. Like, he was everywhere. He was like he was a big deal here in uh, New England area and. Uh, for any Kirk, I tweeted out yesterday for any like uh, Dennis and Callahan fans, uh, they spell his name wrong in the they credits. Do. It's J O N in right. the credits, but that was kind of funny. He must have been pissed. He must have been pissed. I can see him <laughs> annoying him. I would be annoyed. Other references uh, too, I saw John Popper, uh, which is the lead singer of Blues Traveler and Harmonica Player. Yeah. We talked about him before. He was in um, the bowling scene, I think, as an announcer, kind of a let get, let's get ready to rumble type and of guy. And he does the credits. And then he does the credits with the band Blues Traveler. Yeah. And it actually looks like they're really playing. Like I was, I was watching the guitar solo and that looked real. Um, I love this soundtrack. So I worked for the Nashua pride, which is a baseball team uh, in Nashua in 99 and 2000. And I did the music. I was doing sound uh, effects and music for them. Yeah. And this was one of the CDs you would throw on before a game. Like just like, just, just kind of ballpark like music, if you will. Like it was just like, kind of like the music is not offensive, but it's also kind of fun and it was just this, the and the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack were ones I would just throw in. Yeah. And then, because I could just throw the CD in and I can go down and hang out with my friends until the until the first pitch. This had uh, Urge Overkill in it too, playing in one of the scenes. Do you remember them? They were they did the cover of Girl, You'll Be a Woman soon. That yeah. was featured in Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. Uh, that, they covered that. Um, of course, a Neil Diamond song, actually. But uh, So they were in this too. There was a lot of... Like a lot of cameos and references. Do, nice let's do my top 10. Okay, let's do that. So you said top 10 sports movies. This is my, I won't be able to do the same because I haven't prepared this. That's fine. I, I did this today. Uh, my top 10 sports movies. Um, and uh, feel free to... In order? T- go yep, 10 to 1. I'm, I'm going to. Okay. Uh, so uh, this is my top 10 sports movies. Feel free to uh, tweet at me if you have if you disagree. You want to have movie fights. I, I don't mind. I love doing that kind of stuff. So here are my honorable mentions. Uh, for the love of the game. Yeah. The color of money. Yeah. Creed and the fighter. Those are not in my top 10. The fighter is not in your top not 10. In my top 10. Ugh. So my, no, my number 10 is Cinderella man. I love this movie, mo- more than movie. more than most people too. Yeah, I think uh, I think most people probably the fighter above it. Uh, I just really enjoy this movie. I think it's I, I'm a kind of a sucker for movies of that time period. Like the, you know, we go always talk about road to perdition on this podcast. Yeah, I know. I'm kind of a sucker. It's for on, how, it's on Netflix now. Road to perdition. Oh, is it? Oh, oh. check it out. Oh, oh, that's a recommendation right now. Yeah. Go watch road to perdition. If you have it. It's the most beautiful film I've ever seen. Uh, number nine. Caddyshack. Okay. Caddyshack. Bill Murray, yeah, hysterical, um, very funny. It's an older movie. It doesn't quite age super well. If you're, uh, say, 30 or under, you might yeah. be like a little bit like kind of confused. But to me, the, the key to that movie is Chevy Chase. Oh, yeah. Like that character, Ty Chevy Webb, had a is great, so funny. It's oh. very short run. Fletch, I love. Fletch, uh, uh, vacation. Uh, the, yes. The first, especially the first one. They, I mean, they're all funny, but that first one to me is hysterical. First one's great, yeah. Uh, my number eight is Kingpin. Yeah, okay. Uh, my number seven is a movie we've covered on this podcast, Moneyball. Okay. Um, so if one. you haven't heard that episode, I think it's our second one. Yeah. Um, listen to it. Number six is Hoosiers. That's a good one. Uh, Gene Hackman. Shit. That's, Dennis I would even Hopper. put that higher. These better start getting incredibly Hoosiers pretty good. Cause Hoosiers really good. Uh, number five, the natural. Okay. That's good. Robert Redford. Yes, uh, another, what, another example of me being a sucker for like how the world looked in 1930s, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. uh, 1940s. I, and it's a beautiful film. Um, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it hits all the right marks for me. Uh, number four, Million Dollar Baby. 
Yeah, it's a great one. I love this movie. Crushing. I, I love Clint Eastwood. Um, I don't know if I ever cried as much in a movie theater as I do in this movie. I don't want to give anything away. If you yeah. haven't seen it, go check it out. Million Dollar Baby is, is phenomenal. Uh, number three is a movie I think we might be covering next week, Karate Kid. That's right. Um, do you, that's interesting you consider that a sports movie. It is. It is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I consider Kingpin a sports movie. You know? <laughs> I mean, Fight Club too. Uh, then. I, <laughs> I'm no, just joking. I don't, yeah. Uh, number two, Rocky. Yeah, of course. Um, well, I mean, Rocky would be probably higher. We, we said we, we did this on our YouTube show. Yeah. You said Rocky was think your so. number two, uh, your number one rather. Right. Uh, it's a it's a close one. And my number one was Field of Dreams, which we covered on our YouTube show. Um, that would not make my top ten. Right. So that's what. That's what so some yeah. people would put Bull Durham. So I don't. I don't really care for Bull Durham. Yeah. I'm more of a Field of Dreams. We talked about it a little on YouTube, where I mean, people are either or on that. Yeah. Um, but you said your number one is uh, is Rocky. I would. I think Rocky is. Yeah. So yeah, I would no, definitely put the fighter in my top ten. You oh, fighter is very good. I mean, yeah. it's just missed for me. I mean, just missed. Yeah. Uh, all right. So anything else that we haven't covered no, about it? To uh, Macarena. I'm sure people are dying to hear about that. <sighs> Fuck. Uh, okay. So the Macarena is. Um, I. You know the funny thing is, I could if you. Some, when we knew that we were going to do the Macarena on this episode, I was like, who the fuck was the band? Who was the, who was the oh, composer of Macarena? And it's, uh, it's Los Del Rio. Okay. Um, I would not, I don't know that I would have remembered it at the time. No. Um, because think about it, like how it's presented. Everybody knows this fucking song. It was everywhere. It sold a billion copies. It was everywhere. It was it's, it, it charted for so, I think it's number seven on billboard, billboard all time. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, that's, you, yeah, this is the shit that the twist remember was number one. Um, I'd rather either twist. Oh, at any day, twelve times a day any than this day. once. Yeah, um, but I like I wouldn't have known. I figured it was a, a chick band uh, because because mm. most of the lyrics are um, sort of a harmonized woman voice right. singing. Um, so okay, it's a dance song like the electric slide, yeah. like the you know the chicken dance. The locomotion is kind of comparable to. I was trying to think of like, are there any good dance so, like songs about a dance the only one that i could think of that i liked is the humpty dance of course <laughs> i love that too okay. it's a great yeah, it is. it's better than this so i Way I, better. I have a a reference to that to being dance song. yeah yeah of course so i'm um, unfortunately for me an early macarena adopter so when i was uh, a sophomore in high school so this would have been i can even pinpoint the year very 90, er, very early 95 yeah 95 right um so this is before 90, this song was huge in in summer of 96, 96 so this right. is a year and a half earlier I was in Spanish class. Yeah. And they made us do this dance. So I had They made I, you do this dance? Yes. Macarena. In 95? Yes. This song came out in 93, I guess. Well, uh, well, we'll talk about that. So I had to do this Macarena thing. And I, I'm like, this song sucks. I hate this song. We do the dance. It's over. I just like, you know, I put it out of my mind. I'm like, oh, thank God I never have to hear that again. <laughs> yeah, a year and a half later. It's everywhere. everywhere. I'm like, what is happening? It's a king of this Macarena. <laughs> so that is, yeah. So I heard Macarena oh. a year and a half before anybody else did. Uh, and, or I guess anyone in America. Most people, yeah. Uh, and it was just, it was awful then. It was, it was <laughs> and that stupid dance for you. It's the worst dance because you're, because you are, you're kind of shaking your hips left and right a little bit. Uh, you watch videos of it because you'll, so you'll stupid. fucking wretch. But basically you're almost doing an, I dream of genie type of arm mm. move. Yeah. And then to yes, your hips you are, yeah, yeah. and then to your ass. And, to your and then ass, you're yeah. like a big shake with your yeah, ass. Like a big round thing. In class. Oh, it's very weird. How embarrassing and odd. <laughs> I, I, I would have probably, I wonder if I would have, refu- I might've refused. Um, okay. So, so in terms of the timing of the song, first of all, this is a duo. Band. So this isn't a chick like group. This is a, these, uh, Los Del Rio is two guys who've been writing and in a band together since like 1962 or 63. Oh my God. Yeah. And they were, did kind of, um, you know, Spanish speaking dance songs. Um, they released five versions of the Macarena. Oh. 
The one that we all know is the second version. It's okay. the Bayside Boys. Uh, did a remix of it. That sounds familiar to me. Bayside Boys, I right. think is what it is. Um, fact check, you'll have to check me on that. But what ended up happening was, so they they released the song. Okay. Um, it, you're right, in like 93, into like 94, 95, it started to pick up some serious track, the original version, the, some serious traction in dance halls around LA and New York and stuff. And so DJs were playing it um, and the original one that, that, that you probably heard at that time, and you don't remember this, I'm sure it actually has a chorus to it. It's like, there's different parts oh, of the song that you don't hear in the oh, Bayside right. boys like version of it. Right. So dance hall started, started wanting DJs to play it, you know, sending it to radio stations. And they're like, Hmm, one of, I can't remember who it was. But one of them's like, this isn't quite right. We, we should probably put some English in here because you know, span, it's going to do better on an, an American audience, right. at least for airplay. So that's when they added the, the female singers doing Which the is verses. Oh no, no, that's the guy saying, what, what are they, uh, Oh yeah, no, don't you worry about my boyfriend, but do, 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 like that or something. She's saying that like fucking her boyfriend's friend. Yes, that's exactly. While he's going off to war or something. That's the context. It's terrible. And her excuses, well, they're so fine. <laughs> like she like what what other choices she's like well they were fine so i had to I mean, yeah I had right to fuck these two guys um we'll get we'll talk about this more too but the the what makes it terrible is so it's two girls voices and it is they're singing um they're singing harmonies and they're out of tune it fucking kills me it like to listen to it is so grating on my oh. ears but we'll talk about that more in a second i just want to say more about this the first one did actually chart to number 23 oh, in the u.s right. charts um, and then there was that lull. Okay. And then into 96 with the, the Bayside boys remix Jesus sold Christ. 11 million copies oh, by 1997. I believe it. like I said, number seven overall on billboard. Um, it was, Oh, this was kind of interesting. This, it was spontaneously constructed. The, the guy, uh, the, the Los del Rio, they wrote when they wrote the song, it was spontaneous. They were, they wrote the, the, hey, Macare, that part, um, was spontaneous. They were visiting oh. a dignitary in uh, Mexico and there was a flamenco dancer named Diana that was singing and they just like ad-libbed this, the line that they sing in the song, in, in the Macarena song, but it was a Diana because that was the name of this woman. Okay. But one of the guy's daughter's name Macarena, so they, so they, they switched it. So this clever ad-lib was they said hey in the woman's name? No, it wasn't just, it was the whole, I can't sing the Spanish oh, okay. version right, of it, that whole right. like. So it was more than just the name. No, yeah, not just the name. that would have been very clever. No, it would not have been clever. I mean, the whole thing's not clever. Hey, Matt. All right, great. All right, you get a song. Well done. Yeah, great song. Great improviser. Um, so yeah, so the Spanish dash, uh, th- since 1962, they were, they were writing songs. So they released basically all of their, most of their albums happened after the Macarena became so famous here. Mm. They released like four more albums after that. And I told you five versions of this fucking song. I think there's a Christmas version. I, I, the only two that I could stomach, I couldn't go through any of the other ones. The only two I could kind of stomach were the first version that you heard. And then the second one that became really famous. Ugh. Um, song construction wise, it's a very weird situation like you another one where it's funny how these become popular because we talked about one last time it was similar oh it was the uh macklemore um song thrift shop yeah thrift shop long intro this one has 35 seconds of just the just the like the beat and the the um the keyboard thing the keyboard kind of goes like it's a clob yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i'll play it you'll people will hear it in the episode because i I redid it but uh it's like that for 35 seconds and there's nothing Nothing at all. Well, they're, they're, never they're, hear they're that. you up for the excitement. <laughs> no. It's like on a roller coaster. It's like, oh, right. It's well, so Macarena's repetitive. Coming, baby. Macarena. The whole song is just two chords. That's it. It's from one chord 
back to the other, back to back to the first one. That's it the entire way through. It is unbelievable that that's like what people want to listen to. That that's what, you know, number 7 on the fucking Billboard chart all amounts time. to all, all time. time. Extremely repetitive. Um there is zero like I said, no difference between the verse and the chorus at all. It's just the dudes are singing or the chicks are singing. That's it. The out-of-tune chicks. Um and uh, so I wanted to talk about pitch correction a little bit because that that's what really came up for me. This, the song was grating to me at the time. I know if it came on on the radio when I was in the car or something, I changed the fucking station. I didn't pay too much attention to it, but it was hard to get away from. It was fucking everywhere. Um, but I think I didn't have, I'm sure I didn't have as critical ears then as I did now. I just hated the song or whatever because it's a stupid, repetitive song. But now listening to it, listening to the fucking girls sing is so hard for me to do. Now that I have like a good understanding of pitch in my head. So um, modern pitch correction, we talked about this before. Pitch correction is when you like change the, like the, the note of, of, uh, yeah, we of this with, uh, the moon five one. The I think that's Jagger. what it was. Yep. Yeah. Cause he's like pitch corrected and weird. Yeah. Pitch correction is something that's been around actually for a long time. Um, this is how they used to do it though. So when, when people were recording in the forties, fifties, sixties and seventies, it was all to a tape. And so people would, if someone did a bad vocal take, like they sang and it sounded wrong. They would have them do another one, but they would actually cut the splice that cut and splice the tape of the new version into the last one. So they had to like exacto knife, just like what they did in film, right? That's how you would edit film back at the time. Right. Um, but the old days before digital, right before digital. Right. I mean, even probably up until the seventies or so, uh, at least with uh, with music, I don't know how it was. Movie right even later than that, I think. Probably I'm not later. a technician, but I know digital really didn't take place until this century. Like yeah, heavy duty digital. Right. So the cool thing is, you know, it's hard as a singer. It's hard to hit pitch perfect all the time. Like there's always going to be some waivers in your voice. You're always going to be a little bit low, a little bit high. It's hard to be perfect. No one's ever perfect. A lot of times you can mask that with like good equipment. And back in the '60s, if you listen to Motown stuff with Aretha Franklin or with, um, I don't know, Marvin Gaye, like tons of people, their, their vocal it sounds good. They don't sound out of tune at all. And the reason why is they can sort of mask it through going through good equipment, um, good hardware. But what happens is the it, people, as people became, uh, as equipment became less and less expensive to do and more people were able to do stuff at home, they sort of democratize the ability to record, um, People had to have like a way of adjusting pitch. People could already adjust the way that the drums were in a song. Like if a beat was a little bit off, they could they could move it digitally, uh, especially uh, specifically if you're using like a p- computer programs to do your recording, or even you know you can tune your guitar with tuning pegs, but you can't really do that with the voice. So, um, so Pro Tools, which is a a software, an audio um, mm-hmm. software that allows you to record, really like started. Uh, this whole idea of uh, Antares is a plugin. It's software that fits into your into your um, digital workstation, into your Pro Tools that would allow you to adjust pitch. But that didn't really take off until '97. '97 was the share song "Believe," which we all hear like, "If you believe in love after love." That's the first time where we all really was consciously aware of pitch correction. That's when it really became oh, okay. a main that, feature, which is was- like the year after. That was at the tipping point. That was the tipping really? point. That share song, really? Yes. So we had that ability huh. digitally before that, but um, but the share one was really the first one where we're like, oh, we can do stuff to it. Oh, now the share right. one, it wasn't because she had bad pitch. It's because they, you can have, there are aesthetic reasons why you would use that sound. And I mean, I don't like it, 
But in that case, they did it as an effect. Like we want her to sound like a computerized voice. When you use too much pitch correction, that's what it sounds like. So that was a choice, an artistic choice. But that's when really people understood the capabilities of what could be done. And then you really started seeing pitch correction on everything. If you do it subtly, you don't hear it. It doesn't have an effect. Like you don't hear any changes in the audio quality, like the sonic quality of it. And so everybody uses it now. Um, but that was that was really the tipping point. And it? Macarena came right before. Yeah, you, absolutely. You use it too. Yeah, because it's a time versus it's a time situation. Okay. Say you have like you've done an amazing vocal take. Like you've delivered the most important thing when you're when you're singing vocals is you're able to emote the right way because a lot of feeling when people listen to your music comes from the vocalist, comes sure. from the singer. So you deliver it rhythmically. It's awesome. The feeling is there, but you have just one little slight. Note that's just like a little bit off. Yeah, I'll fucking tweak that. Of course. What am I gonna do? A million takes uh, mm. to get the whole thing right? I mean, artists are already taking. As I said before, splicing tape. We can do that easily digitally now. I'll do five takes of something and take pieces, parts of each one, and put them together uh, together so that it forms like the kind of the perfect one for me. But from a time state, it does. It doesn't make sense to do a vocal track for days and days and days until the entire thing is perfect. It just, it just doesn't because you won't be able to emote as well. If you sing the same thing over and over and over, it's not going to be as good as like the first couple times you do it emotionally. Sure. So of course I'll tweak it. Absolutely, everybody does it. It's just like tuning your guitar or moving the kick drum a little bit in the in the you know in the in the software. It's, Stan- a, it's St- the same thing. Stanley Kubrick might disagree. He was famous for having people do number number of takes. Yeah. Because his idea was like, eventually we'll get down to the raw. I think eventually you use your, you lose your passion for it and it's gone. Clint Eastwood is the, is the flip side where he believes he like does one, like three or four. One take. So nice. Does it? Yeah. yeah like one, you know, let's, let's get out of here and go get lunch. So <laughs> yeah. he's just, he just would rather just move the I'd process I'd say I'm in along. between. The other thing too is studios used to cost more. Like it was a million dollar, a million dollar mm. studio, right? right? That you'd have right. to go to. So time was money. Yeah. And if you weren't a top tier, um, you know, band, you didn't get the studio for weeks. You got it for a couple days, so you had to do a good job. Even 20 years ago, even 96, 97, or yeah, 25 years ago. Um, so you could do five takes, and then they would pitch correct a little bit. I mean, it seemed fine. This Six is one of the minutes. 10 worst songs. Uh, oh my God, yes. This might be... This smooth, and what is the other one? Oh, uh, Wind Beneath My Wings. Wind be- I think this is worse, because at least that is constructed decently. Like, there's different chord changes and shit. I think this is worse. This is worse than Wind Beneath My Wings. This is worse than smooth. This might be the worst. This I might think be the, this, this is might be the, the worst, worst song I've ever heard in my entire life. Which actually, I want to ask you this. Why is it? And this some uh, Tom on Twitter actually asked this. I thought this was a very good question. Why the fuck is it that the top movies that we keep going over are mostly decent to really good to even some great? Right. Where all the songs are shit. I think I have a theory on this. Tell me. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. So um, movies are... I, I think movies are for a wider net. What's popular is going to a certain demographic. Like pop mm. radio is for women, uh, typically. Um, we have more women listener than male. Yeah. And it has a younger listener base where movies are for everybody. So like for male, for female, for any age group, movies, I mean, obviously there's kids movies, I get that. But a movie that's going to be number one is in theory applicable to almost everybody. Typically. Yeah. And there's exceptions. Horror movies are for guys. I get all that. But um, where mu- music is almost always for one very rarely is music for everybody. Yeah. But then again, something like Macarena, though, this was listened to by everybody. So this kind of goes against my theory. So I guess yeah. I don't know. I think I think it's also just a, a, a luck of the draw, too, where we've, you know, I think, like, we'll hit more, I think the 80s had better pop music, personally. Yeah. So I bet when we do more 80s stuff, we'll have better songs. And I bet when we do other decades, we'll have maybe worse movies. Could be. You know what I mean? The thing that I uh, that I came up with is that 
when you do a song, a lot of times it's it's either it's a dance song, so you're not really like you're you're just trying to like move to it, right? And with a movie, uh, oh, and and songs can can be in the background, and you just kind of hum around, hum it or whatever. Where a movie, you have to, you're the whole goal is you're focusing on it, like you are in that world for a certain amount of time. Um, so they have to construct it such that it will hold your attention. I agree. And be kind of a provocative and evocative. The more popular, it almost becomes more like white noise in a way, yes. or like like something that's like a great, great. I guess the Beatles kind of go into this theory too, yep. but. But most pop music, in theory, is almost not supposed to be something you think about too much. But the great movies are things you, in theory, in theory, think about a lot. Yes, so it's almost like they have two different masters Purposes to serve. And, yeah, right. Um, but I don't know. But let's um, let's talk personal stories. If you're done with Macarena, yeah. Do you want? I'll, I have kind of a quick. Well, you have. I'm gonna do mine next. Next. Yeah. So it's now we're doing mul- multiple episodes for each week. One, uh, you'll do one, and I'll do one. What, in terms of headlines or oh, oh no. story? No, is it your story turn? No, it's your story turn. It's my story turn. Because I'm doing the headlines. All yes. right, fuck it. Well, um, this was right before I went to college. Okay. I went to UNH. So this is the summer before I went to UNH. And I had a tough deci- time deciding where I went. Did you know Adelphi College on uh, Long Island? I've heard of it. I, I couldn't tell you even what town it was in there. That's, I don't know the town it is either. But uh, that was actually my best experience. I went there and I'm an interesting musician because I have a lot of, I had a lot of like, uh, I think I said this before on the podcast, but I had a lot of training before I ever went to college. And when I went, I was like way ahead of the curve because wow, I already okay. knew conducting. Look at the big brains on Brad. No, but it, no, it changed after that because I didn't practice much. Okay. Technically on my, I played clarinet through college. Technically, um, I wasn't as advanced you as... You played clarinet? I did, yeah. So yep. that, was that your main instrument? That was my main instrument. Yeah, because it was the one that I could get a scholarship on. I got a, oh. I, I got a full ride to Adelphi. Oh, my God. I got a half ride to UNH, but then I had a grant that covered the rest. Oh, wow. So Adelphi was good. Adelphi, Adelphi was, was yes, full ride? Yes, because the cool thing is they really appreciated what I was. It's It was hard. I don't necessarily fit... A lot of times, it's the technically proficient musician that will get the full ride. Like okay. somebody who's going to go in and be in the fucking uh, orchestra or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, kick yeah. ass. That wasn't me. I had a very broad knowledge. I could, at the time I could play guitar. I could play a bunch of different woodwinds and I had a good voice. I could sing. I had ear training skills, conducting skills, theory skills. Like I had all that piano skills. So when I went to Adelphi, I actually met with the Dean. He was the one that, that took me around and we, like we went to a room. He tested like me on, on some theory stuff and we did vocal stuff and clarinet things. And he was like, you are the perfect fit or us because you're such like, you're so, so why well-rounded. Did you choose them? Um, honest, this is going to sound stupid. Um, but the honest reason is I was, I think I was a little, the honest reason I had a girlfriend in the area and I didn't want to fucking leave her. So I went to UNH. She was two years younger. How much, how much longer did you date her for? Not much longer. Oh, yeah. oh no. That, that's do you, what ha- do you that's wish what you had gone to Adelphi? I think my, I had a tough time at UNH, honestly, in the music, in the music department because well, it was a tough time, kind of a tough time in life for me at that point. I was just, there was like family weirdness and whatever, but, but I never, I didn't practice as much as I wanted to. Mm. I, I just sort of fell behind. I graduated and finally have a music degree, but I just sort of fell behind. Um, I wasn't as good, uh, technically, but it wasn't like if, if the goal were me as a songwriter and a singer and, you know, orchestrating and, and recording and all that stuff, it would have been. I would have been awesome. Like Berkeley, I would have done probably pretty well, even though I wasn't as technically proficient as some of those students, but because I could have recorded in like my songwriting craft, but at UNH, it was really about you were either in the jazz band and very technically proficient, or you were in like an an orchestra or symphonic band and very technically proficient. I just wasn't that guy. Like I've just, I'm better in a more well-rounded way. I have an excellent voice. Do you still play the clarinet? No, I haven't touched it in probably 15 years. I could. Isn't that weird? No, it was a means to an end for me. 
it was a way that I could get scholarship money and that I could get a degree. I, you played the clarinet probably every day for for years. Yeah, from probably when I was in fourth grade until right. So when I you know eleven until or ten until I was twenty one. You played the clarinet every day, probably not right? every day, but uh, most of it. Yeah, and then, all, and then you don't touch it again. I do, yeah, because I don't care because I play guitar, that's, I sing, I, I write. I know, but like, isn't that weird? That's so that's always weird to me when someone does it? something yeah. daily and then they kind of put it. Although the older I get, the more I find myself doing that with stuff. The cool thing is, is I can really play any instrument. Like I have, so at UNH, I had to play every instrument family group from percussion to strings to all the woodwinds and brass. Like I, I can do any of that if I needed to. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not well, but if I, like if it was, Matt, you have to play this thing in a week on a yeah. trombone, I could do it. Hmm. So anyway, so that, that's what I was doing. So and you were I, looking at, yeah, you were choosing which college. Cho- well, or, I had I already chose, chose I was going, right. right. I was going to UNH and it worked out fine. I met most of my friend group there and I learned a lot and I'm, you know, I'm a good musician. I, and I you have want. to be an RA. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so I have headlines for us. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll do my personal story next episode. Okay. Uh, good. Okay. So, um, yeah, here. The, so I, just so you know, so I got a, a New York Times uh, subscription. So um, I never had one before. Why are you telling people this? Because because uh, I'm going to reference it. I'm okay, sure it's okay, going to come fine. up. All right. So uh, it, was, it was she was like eight bucks. It was pretty cheap. I but, do it the hard way. I like research. Well, I, I went no. I this was <laughs> it's hard, hard to too. do. It's really hard to do. Oh, uh, New York Times was well, no, well, not hard. But so it's it's that they make it easy. They make it fun. So what is it? You can go and feel free to do this yourself if you want to. I guess if you're really bored, we're all pretty bored right now. But if you have a New York Times subscription, you can go and you can actually look at the um, you can go through the whole paper. They have basically oh, the micro yeah, yeah. feature, but it's all there. So I got to go through all the front pages of this week. So I'm sure this is going to come up a, a lot. I mean, I'm gonna you know it, it was just it was fun to like just look at the headlines and like what yeah because you get more than just kind of what's chosen for you by some search engine thing. Right. It's like oh I can actually see what people were talking about. Yeah. And this week in, in particular, uh, there was one story. There's a huge main focus. Okay. And it was Bob Dole. Bob Dole was on the front page of the New York because he was York, running for president. Yes. Mm. Front page of the New York Times with a picture six times of the seven six of the seven days. Really? Bob Dole, and what happened was this was also the week he chose Jack Kemp. To oh, be his yeah. Running. It was, was right before the Republican National Convention. Yeah. Um, and he was running for president, but Clinton wasn't really on too much. It was just Bob Dole, Bob Dole, Bob Dole. Yeah, because he was the, Clinton was the incumbent, so. He was the incumbent, he, right. He knew who it was going to be. And, um, but it was all Bob Dole, and then eventually, you know, Bob Dole picking Jack Kemp. Nikki picked it on that, like, the end of that week. Yeah. Um, and they made the announcement like that, the very, very end of the week. Um, Bob Dole is very self-referential, right? He always said, Bob Dole will Bob do this, Dole. Bob Dole. Well, that's that a great Norm MacDonald uh, <laughs> impression. Um, but that was, a, and that week, Bob Dole also, I think he was really trying to ride the wave of excitement of Bob Dole during this week. <laughs> <laughs> and he said that he was uh, going to uh, have a 15% tax cut. Um, so that was kind of the first half of the week was him pitching this tax cut. Yeah. And then the end of the week was him choosing Jack Kemp. Jack Kemp, probably not the best, most exciting choice. Like another old... I don't remember, but I mean, I remember the name, but was he a senator or a governor? Of yeah, he's a I senator. He was. Uh, and he was a former uh, NFL quarterback. Oh, yeah. He's, he's dead That's now. Right. Bob still alive, which is crazy. He's in Wasn't his he 90s. 90 then? Oh, he's 90s now. Yeah, was that? He was old. That was a whole knock <laughs> on him. Although then. nowadays, everyone runs president is old. But yeah. back then, that was the knock on him was he was so old. He's right. still alive. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he chose Jack Kemp. Um, so... The, uh, Unrelated to Bob Dole. No, Bob Dole monopolized this week. So uh, that's the first story. That was, I guess, like do two you know, stories. Do you but. remember the um, mocker? Like, so the the. Oh wait, that's strange. Oh, they were having right. They were having uh, Republican um, candidates like do the Macarena through uh, ninety five oh, and ninety six. They okay. were filming this fucking <laughs> thing fun. happening. 
Uh, yeah, I remember. But that. yeah, that oh, was wow. what a wild group yeah, of people those were. I'm sure that was a blast. Um, no, that was, I guess that's kind of the main story. Was that it was really two stories? It was like Bob Dole in this tax cut, and it was Bob Dole picking Jack Kemp. But every that's day it was Bob Dole, Bob Dole. But there were a couple other things I had. Um, the Ramones performed for the last time. Oh yeah. Um, I was never big a Ramones Neither guy. Neither was I. I was gonna ask yeah. you. you like the not not yeah. really. I'm not a big punk. Yeah, I'm not either. Or that genre, like that genre. I like better musicians than that, honestly. Ooh, wow. Throwing some shade <laughs> in the punk. That's uh, nah, not. I agree with you. I, yeah, I guess. All right. Yeah, I just didn't know how you felt about that. And then the other thing I thought was interesting. Um, this guy named Frank Whittle died mm. at 89. Never heard of him. He yeah. invented the jet engine. Really? He looked a lot like if anyone's ever seen the show MASH, like Radar from MASH. Yeah. Gary Berghoff. Yep. He, looked, he looked just like him. I bet. Um, was he? Did he work for like GE or something? He or? was a British guy. Oh, he okay. invented the turbojet engine at 23. Wow. Okay. And then the, uh, as this need and demand for the turbojet engine became more and more pronounced, leading into World War II, he had a nervous breakdown. And then... <laughs> Too much pressure. Right before the war, or actually during the war for England, because they were in it before we were, yeah. this demand got even higher. He had another nervous breakdown. Yeah. And he's like, fuck this, I'm out. And But yeah. imagine inventing this amazing at 23, and then... Um, what do you do for the rest of your life? Yeah. And I think he struggled with that. He ended up... Uh, getting having he had a, like a wife for a long time that he, he I think he left her get the marriage mm. dissolved and he went and married somebody and then he ended up moving to America I think finally he found peace here at the end of his life and he ended up um he taught at the um at the Naval Academy oh okay the Air Force Academy yeah. I'm sorry I'm not getting that right but um and that's kind of how he finished his his life with uh and he seemed to have some well he lived a long time I mean he lived a long time right yeah. he he um he was 89 um but yeah for but for you know figure for 66 years like I invented right? the jet engine exactly. <laughs> How do you you think it about like athletes and stuff? Like, what do you do when you peak early or like child stars? Oh, I stuff? think about that about athletes because their whole life revolves around one thing until their late thirties, forty if they're lucky, and then it's over. It's like that's what I it's did. Like you with the clarinet. It's like me with the fucking clarinet. Well, that I peaked a lot earlier than that. I was, you know, 21 and I was done with that. You were done and that was it. <laughs> well, yeah, but there was guitar and singing and all that stuff. And now I you mean, get to do this show, which I'm sure is the, well, uh, this the is highlight. definitely the pinnacle. But that's 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 what I have there. Um, uh, for the for the headlines. Okay. Well, those aren't bad. I mean, there was a science one on there, so I'd like to bust you a little bit there about was, that. I know. You I thought fucking you'd like hate that. science. Um, but and was, I'm surprised you found out how to get on the internet in order to see the New York Times. It took me a while. <laughs> it, it was very exciting. When I found it. I, I yelled out loud. I yelled at him. I found it. I can look at the headlines. And she was just like, okay. I'm like, I can do it. I was so I was going through. The, you can go through the pages and you can see the old ads. Yeah. It was, it was kind of fun. I was like, all right, you know, before 9 It was just it was a this. different yeah. world, you know, back then. It yeah. really was. And people were so dependent on the newspaper because the internet really had 2013. It's only seven years oh, ago. Tw- oh, shit. 96. I forget what year we're in. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're we're like totally Sam dependent Beckett. on that. Yeah. So it was kind or, of like, or radio news. Like that, that was right. kind of it. But, but you, people really depended on the New York Times and they took, you know, so it was kind of fun to go through and see what they were covering. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was, uh, yeah. So I'll do that every week now. It's, I, I had fun doing it. Okay, well, that's good. I'm going to probably just keep doing my headlines the way that I've been doing. I think you should Which is either not at all or... Uh, or, or not just right, right. And then, so when you hear us next, it'll be Saturday, and we're covering the movie uh, A Time to Kill, um, which some is song. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, two, Tupac song. Uh, Tupac song. Yeah. Uh, Matthew McConaughey movie with... Uh, Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson's yeah. in it. Um, so uh, I think... And uh, Kingpin, as you may have already known, was, was free on Netflix. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Go check it out. All right, uh, we'll catch you in the next one.